have you felt a weight that is really heavy upon your mind and on your heart, upon your shoulders? Have you felt maybe the guilt of your past that just continues to strangle things out and you wish, I wish there was a way that this could all get taken care of? Well, stay tuned. Well, it's good to be with you today. And this is a common occurrence of the human heart. I've met so many people that say that they have depression, they have anxiety, there's a weight on them, everything seems to be falling apart in their lives. And when talking about things a little bit more and more with them, it appears to be that what is the real issue is that there are um, sins in their lives. There's things that unconfessed, there's a guilt that's laid on them, and subconsciously that's starting to eat away from a person. How do we get that taken care of? Well, I want to tell you about a person in the scripture that knew about this. Uh, his name was David, and we looked to Psalm 32 uh, to see what had happened. Now, before uh, we get there with David, I just want to give a little bit of a background of David. Now, David, it says that David was a man after God's own heart, okay? God God loved David. David loved God, except that there was one thing that happened in his life where there was problem. He committed adultery, and he ordered the murder of somebody. Now, let's just get a little bit of a backstory here. So the backstory is that David one day, he was tired from his military campaigning. He decided to stay home while his military went out uh, to go to fight. And so he went up on the rooftop of his palace to get a little bit of fresh air or something. And in so doing, he sees this attractive young lady. And I don't know why she was out there, but she was on a rooftop naked bathing herself. Now, David looking at her was like, wow, she's an attractive lady. Talks to one of his advisors and says, who is that lady that's down there bathing herself like that? He was told that it is Uriah's wife. Uriah was a warrior in his army. He said, I want you to get that lady for me. And so the uh, advisor, whomever that was David's friend, got um, Uriah, or excuse me, Bathsheba was her name. And getting Bathsheba, David decided that he was going to lay with her. And of course, she consented just the same. Now, the issue is that after that, Bathsheba comes to David and says, I'm pregnant with your child. And David, not wanting things to be found out, decides that he's got to come up with some sort of scheme. So what does he do? He calls for Uriah. He calls Uriah out of the battle. Now, Uriah comes out of the battle, comes back home, uh, and David talks to him a little bit, asks how everything's going, and then says, why don't you go home and stay with your wife tonight, hoping that Uriah was going to lay with his wife. The problem is Uriah said, how can I go home and lay with my wife and have this pleasure when my buddies are out on the field still in battle? No, I can't do that. So he sleeps inside of the king's gate. David is beside himself. He's thinking, what can I do? I've got to do something. So the next day, David decides to get Uriah, pulls Uriah up, talks to them some more. And at the nighttime, David then feeds Uriah some alcohol, gets him drunk and thinks that, well, if he's drunk, then he'll decide that uh, maybe at that point he'll go and lay with his wife. But Uriah, even in his drunken state, was uh, more of a man. He said, no, I can't do that. Not while my buddies are out there. So David say, finds out this is fruitless. He has a letter written and he gives it to Uriah and says, Uriah, take this letter to Joab, the captain of the host, and nobody else is to see it except Joab. So Uriah unknowingly takes this letter back to uh, Joab on the battlefield. Joab opens the letter up and it reads something like this. I want you in the heat of the battle, Joab, to take 
um, Uriah to put him up in the front. And when the battle is really hot against the castle walls, I want you to pull people out and retreat, leave him there so that in leaving him there, he ends up dying. Now, did David actually kill Uriah? No, but he ordered his death. So he strategically killed Uriah to cover up his own sins. Now, this happened and word got back, Uriah's dead. And so then Bathsheba is very upset, mourns the death of her husband. And then David says, now I want you to come and to be my husband. So they're married, thinking that he's covered up the sins. However, Nathan the prophet, prophet in later, um, I don't know, maybe a year or two later, Nathan the prophet then uh, comes to David, tells him a story that then gets David's heart drawn out in judgment as to what was right and wrong in the story. And through that, Nathan says, you're just like this man in this story. It's you, you're guilty. You killed Uriah, you committed adultery there. So David knew what it was like to have guilt on his conscience. He knew what it was like to have unconfessed sin. And so we're gonna look into Psalm 32 to see what David says. We look in Psalm 32, we read that, it says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah, or commonly think of that, meditate about this. I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of the great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee, God says, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So there we have it. David starts off this psalm by saying, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is, is covered. So the person who knows that their sins, the guilt of their sins and the weight of it, David says, blessed is that person's who, person whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. To know that your sins are not going to be uh, held against you anymore. You can be forgiven of that. And on that great day of judgment, God's not going to bring this back into remembrance. And that's the idea also of having your sins covered. God's going to put the lid on your sins or blessed is the person who knows that their sins have have the lid, that God put the lid over top of it, not to be remembered against them anymore, not to be brought back up. Now, to be sure, the devil himself will bring your past sins up before you over and over again and try to torment it. But dear listener, realize this, God will not do that, but we're going to get to that in a minute. But he says, blessed is the man. Why? Because the weight of our sin, the weight of our guilt is so awful to bear and, and thinking that I have to stand before the judge of all the earth with all of this on, on my heart and on my life and to feel ashamed before his glorious presence, it is a weight that is hard to bear here. And then, of course, when I cross the line of worlds, how much worse will things get? Well, the next verse says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. So what does that mean? Blessed is the man that imputed, or excuse me, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Well, 
There can be an experience that you have where God's not holding that sin against you anymore. He's not reckoning it to your account anymore. And he says, blessed is the man that knows that, that, that God's not holding that sin against him anymore. Is that you, dear listener? Maybe you want your sin to be forgotten by God and not hold, held to your account. He also said, um, and in whose spirit there is no guile. You know, when you're trying to cover up sin, your heart is full of deceit and lies. You've got a web of lies where you have to continually keep things straight in your mind to tell yourself a lie, trying lie to God, trying to lie to everyone else. But blessed is that person who's in, in whose spirit there is no guile. Do you know that God can do that for somebody? God can do that in your heart. He can make it so that your heart is an honest heart. It's not a heart that has guile and deceit in it anymore. And he says, blessed is that man. Why? What rest it is when you don't have to make something up, when you don't have to live a lie anymore, but you can just be yourself. You can be honest like a little child. You can have all of that nature, that spirit before that was in you, that was trying to cover up all your sins, removed from you, and you can be a new creature in Jesus Christ. Then it says, when I kept silence, this is David's testimony. He said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. So David knew the experience of keeping silent, of having his sins continually to be a secret to him. And really, uh, maybe he thought, oh, my sins are a secret to God, but we know that's not the case. He kept his sins to himself and did not confess them. And he said, I was growing old. My bones were waxing old inside of me. I was growing old. He said, my, I, my bones wax old through me, uh, uh, wax old through my roaring all the day long. He had an inward roaring of heart. He was unsettled. He was not at peace. And he said, this is what happened. However, look at what David's experience was when we go to the next verse. He said, well, let's say this. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. I got ahead of myself here. For day and night, my hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Okay, so he said he felt the heavy hand of God upon him. What's the heavy hand of God? The heavy hand of God is when the conviction of God is so hard and so thick on our mind and on our heart that it feels like it's drying up the life out of us. That's what this verse is talking about. David experienced this because he was hiding his sins. He was holding his sins in. But as I mentioned before, we move on to the next verse and we find a totally different picture. We find that he said in verse five, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So it seems to be that David got to a place where his sins were such a weight upon him, he couldn't stand it anymore. And you know, you can get to that place too with your sins. Instead of pretending it doesn't exist, you could say, oh man, I can't handle this anymore. I can't keep this up like this anymore. I can't live a lie anymore. David said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. Have you done that, dear listener? Have you confessed your sins out to God, named them one by one, telling God what they were, confessing those out before him, not hiding them, not living a lie, and just laying it bare out before God? David said when he did that, he said, God forgave him of his iniquity. He confessed his sins. That's what you need to do, dear listener. You need to confess your sins. Bring it out in the open. Don't hide it anymore. Don't hide it from God. You can't anyways. Don't hide it from someone else if you sinned against them. Don't hide it from other people that you would hope to think of you differently than you really are. Confess it all out. And he says his experience was the Lord forgave the iniquity of my sin. 
the guilt of his sin was gone. Praise God. That can be your experience. God's no respecter of person. And he said, for this, everyone that is godly, um, it, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Now, what does that mean? It, it literally means the sense is that anyone that's that has a leaning towards God, that would be considered a seeker after God, if anyone wants that, they're going to see what David did, where he confessed his sins, where he acknowledged them and didn't hide. He's going to confess his sins, and in confessing his sins, he's going to know the peace of God and the forgiveness of God. And he said, anyone that leans towards God like that's going to follow down the same path David went. And he said, surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto thee. What an entirely different experience he had. He said, now that I've confessed my sins and acknowledged them, now the floods of waters is not going to overflow me. My relationship with God has drastically changed. And what is that relationship? Now, God, you are my hiding place. You'll preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Now it's no longer sin having the rule over me, but through Christ dwelling within me, I have the rule over sin. He's given me victory as he dwells within me. Totally different picture from the beginning of the psalm. Then he says, I will instruct thee. This is God speaking, by the way. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee. Praise God. Now it's no longer me having to do it myself anymore. You might think, how am I going to live this life? How am I going to keep it up? God said, he will teach you. He will instruct you. He said, he will guide you with his eye. It's like my father. He used to be able to give a look to me like this with no words, and I knew what he wanted. God will do that for you, dear listener. He will, he will instruct you and guide you with his eye. And then he said, but don't be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. He said, now that you have given your life to Christ, now that you've confessed your sins, now that you've gotten this taken care of, it's under the blood, you're in a new relationship with God. Don't be like a horse that has to have a bit inside of its mouth. Don't be like a mule who's very stubborn, but be tenderhearted to God. You don't need that rain, the reins of God in your mouth to try and, you know, really forcibly get you to go the way you need to go. Instead, you have a tender heart. And with that tender heart, you want to do what God wants you to do. And in so doing, you hear the slightest whispers from the Spirit of God. Totally different life than trying to hide your sins. But then he says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So that can be yours, dear listener. You can do that. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or visit us at godsresistance.com. Email us, get in touch with us. We would love to get a coffee with you. We'd love to talk. Also, we're out in the Wilkesbury Public Square every Wednesday at 5 p.m. and every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. And we hope to see you there.